This is a moment in Jewish history. Tzitzit are the four tassels worn on a tarit as described in the Torah. Numbers chapter 15 states, You shall make for yourselves tzitzit upon the corners of your clothes for generations, and on the tzitzit give a string of blue, and you will see them and remember all the commandments of God. I decided to talk about the history and significance of tzitzit because this week I spent an evening tying tzitzit for soldiers as part of a special project. Kihilat Eretz Hemda, based in Jerusalem, has been donating supplies to Israel Defense Force soldiers. They also responded to a call for increased demand for tzitzit. A talit katan is traditionally worn all day on an undershirt-like garment with four corners. Due to the unprecedented request for tzitzit, I sat amid boxes of green army regulation talit katan shirts as volunteers tied strings in the traditional manner, the number of strings and knots corresponding to the 613 commandments in the Torah. The following is the story from the Yom Kippur War of 1973, when an IDF tank was hit by Egyptian forces. The group of about 40 soldiers hid, avoiding enemy fire. The following is an excerpt from the soldier. We were in the middle of the marshes. We heard tanks approaching. They were our tanks, but how could we identify ourselves before they opened fire on us? One of our guys had an idea. He took out his talit and ran toward the tanks, waving it. They did not open fire. They recognized the talit. This is what saved us from certain death. Theodore Herzl, the founder of the World Zionist Organization and visionary of the modern state of Israel, needed a flag for the future country he and his fellow Zionists envisioned. The following is from his colleague David Wolfson on the connection between the Israeli flag and the Talit. At the behest of our leader Herzl, I came to Basel to make preparations for the Zionist Congress. Among many other problems that occupied me then was one that contained something of the essence of the Jewish problem. What flag would we hang in the Congress Hall? Then an idea struck me. We have a flag, and it is blue and white. The talit, prayer shawl, with which we wrap ourselves when we pray. That is our symbol. Let us take this talit from its bag and unroll it before the eyes of Israel and the eyes of all nations. So I ordered a blue and white flag with a shield of David painted upon it. That is how the national flag that flew over Congress Hall came into being, and no one expressed any surprise or asked whence or how it came. Most tzitzit strings are all white, but in modern times, the fringe of blue, techalet, as described in biblical days, has returned. Today, one can obtain two kinds, the petiot techalet and the rishiner techalet. The way it came to be rediscovered is a fascinating story. According to the Talmud, the color Tehelet comes from a sea creature called the Higazon. The ancient Israelites were experts in coloring and dyeing cloth and had a special technique for this royal biblical blue. But after wars and persecutions, this was lost. In the late 19th century, the Hasidic Rebbe Rabbi Gershon Hanoch Liner of Regin, in what is today Poland, believed that the Higazon was a type of squid known as the cuttlefish. This belief was shared by Yehuda Levison in his 19th century book, Talmudic Zoology. 
The Regina Rebbe traveled to Italy multiple times where he visited the aquarium in Naples, the largest in the world at the time. He concluded that the sepia, inky secretion of the cuttlefish, was techelet. While the ink is normally a dark brownish black, there is a process in which it turns blue. The Regina Rebbe authored three large volumes to support his thesis, stating that he had rediscovered the long-lost Tehillat and set up a factory where the dye was produced. Within two years, thousands of Regina Hasidim and Breslov Hasidim started wearing tzitzit with a fringe of blue. However, most of the Jewish world preferred to stick to the all-white kind. In 1913, Rabbi Isaac Herzog, later the chief rabbi of Ireland and chief rabbi of the State of Israel, wrote a doctoral dissertation on the study of Tehillat. He requested from the Reginer Hasidim information on their method and concluded that the Higazon was in fact the Mirak snail and not the cuttlefish. Nevertheless, Rabbi Herzog was responsible for saving their method after the Holocaust. But before we get into the story of Rabbi Herzog, a little about the Reginer Hasidim, who still exists today. The Reginer Rebbe of the 1930s and 40s was Rabbi Shmuel Shlomo Leiner, who was the grandson of the Reginer Rebbe who reinstituted the wearing of Tehillat. Two weeks before the outbreak of World War II, he closed his yeshiva and sent all his students home. The yeshiva was then used as a shelter for refugees. He tried to organize anti-Nazi teams and encouraged his fellow Jews to join the partisans, flee to the forests, and fight the Nazis. His students sent him money to emigrate, but he used the money to help bury Jews who he saw murdered and thrown from the trains, taking them to the concentration camps. Rabbi Leiner was murdered by the Nazis in 1942. His brother-in-law, Rabbi Avraham Yisachar Englard, became the new Regina Rebbe. He too fled to the forests, where he and his fellow Hasidim joined the partisans and fought the Nazis. He eventually moved to Israel, where he re-established the Regina Hasidic movement and once again began producing blue techelet strings for tzitzit. This process may have been lost if not for the letters the Regina Hasidim had sent to Rabbi Herzog, while Rabbi Herzog did not believe they had the authentic Tehillat, nevertheless he gave them the writings, allowing them to continue their tradition. Rabbi Herzog had studied the work of the French biologist Henri de la Caze Dutier, who in 1858 discovered three mollusks in the Mediterranean that produced purple-blue dyes. As the story goes, during a scientific expedition, a fisherman told him that the dye of a snail could change color, and he smeared it on his shirt. Initially, it was yellow, but when exposed to the sunlight, it changed blue. Rabbi Herzog also believed that when the Talmud described what the Hirazon looked like, it was describing a snail rather than a cuttlefish. Rabbi Isaac Herzog's son, Chaim Herzog, went on to become a major general in the Israel Defense Forces and later president. His son, Isaac Herzog, is today president of the State of Israel. In the 1960s, there was a renewed interest in Tehillet, due in part to the discovery of a dyed wool fleece from the Bar Kokhba rebellion period. By the 1980s, several scientists were on the trail of the Tehillet snail. Professor Otto Elsner of Schenkar College in Ramat Gan proved that when exposed to sunlight, the Murak snail can be used to create blue dye. 
He published his findings in The Dying of the Murex Extract, an unusual dying method of wool to biblical sky blue. Later, Rabbi Menachem Burstein published the works of Rabbi Isaac Herzog and concluded that the Murex snail was the original Talmudic Hilazon. Rabbi Eliyahu Tavger researched the snails along the beaches of Israel. Rabbi Tavger is the son of Benzion Tavger, a Russian scientist who immigrated to Israel and became instrumental in uncovering Jewish ruins in the city of Hebron. He often joined his father on the risky excavations. By 1988, Rabbi Tavger became the first Jewish person to wear what he called Petil Techeret. He, along with Rabbi Burstein and others, created the Petil Techeret Foundation, which is today headquartered in Kfar Adumim and manufactures and distributes Techeret strings around the world. Today, both kinds of Techeret can be purchased in Jewish shops, online, and seen adorning Talit and Talit Katan. To close, I would like to share a story by the author Daniel Pinkwater, who, although secular, shows his appreciation for Jewish tradition in his short story, Talis. He describes his father, an immigrant from Poland, who used to attend a small Orthodox synagogue with other old Yiddish-speaking immigrant Jews like himself. He would often buy a loaf of ham after services, seeing no contradiction with eating non-kosher food and still going to synagogue every week. His grandson's bar mitzvah was being held at a large modern synagogue, and the rabbi, who prided himself on being contemporary, asked him not to wear a talit for services, because this was old-fashioned, antiquated Judaism, and would embarrass people, especially any non-Jewish guests. The grandfather was so offended by the rabbi that even though he wasn't particularly religious himself, he went out and bought the largest talis he could find, came early with his son Daniel to synagogue the next morning, and sat in the front row. The following is from Daniel Pinkwater's audiobook. When we say we subscribe to the faith of our fathers, we usually mean the father we knew. Also, there's a tendency for each generation to liberalize the belief. As the son of a ham-eating, iconoclastic, freestyle Jew, I was well on the way to becoming no Jew at all. What I was about to do was defy the obnoxious rabbi and support my father in a sentimental gesture. The talus had no particular meaning for me. And yet, when we gathered the fringes to our lips, kissing them as an expression of respect and love for God's commandments, when we stood and spread the ancient garments on our arms like birds drying their wings for a moment before enveloping ourselves in whiteness, it came to me strongly that this precise activity had been carried on by people, by my forebears, for thousands of years. This has been a moment in Jewish history. For questions or comments or past shows, you can visit benbreski.substack.com. Thank you to all the listeners, and Shalom.